You can't ride in my little red wagon. You can't ride in my little red wagon. Front seat's broken and the axle's dragging. Front seat's broken and the axle's dragging. Chugga, 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 chugga. Suck it, verse, suck it, verse. A whole lot louder and a whole lot. What's up, y'all? This is Nick Bartlett. I'm a broadcast manager here at Sports Pack 12. I'm also a staff writer over at OregonSportsNews.com. And I've had over 50 articles featured in the Seattle Post-Intelliger. And this is going to be a Sports Pack 12 original, The Nick Bartlett Show. So this is going to be a run-of-the-mill sports show talking about Pac-12, hot topics of the week. And one thing I want to stress is that I'm not much different than you guys. Seriously, I work a day job. My opinion is no more valuable than yours. And I'm just grateful for your viewership, your listenership. And without further ado, let's get straight to some Pac-12 action. Thanks for tuning in. Does anyone else feel that it's really weird having basketball season start in the middle of football? I don't know. Just seems a little off to me. But isn't 2020 a little bit off anyways? Welcome back to the Nick Bartlett Show, everybody, where this week we'll discuss the first college football playoff rankings, the reemergence of the Washington Huskies under Jimmy Lake, and maybe give a little shine to some of the less prestigious teams in conference. That's not a promise, but that is a maybe. It may happen. And, oh yeah, baby, as always, we'll end today's show with Bartlett's random topic of the day. But before we hop onto the gridiron, I want to discuss the layout of the show over the next couple of weeks. Even though Pac-12 basketball started yesterday, I'm not going to talk hoops until later in the year. Whether it's right or wrong, football is the big moneymaker. Let's just be 100, it is the moneymaker. Therefore, we're going to continue focusing our coverage in that direction until the season's over. For all you hoop heads out there, I feel your pain. I'm a basketball coach, a one-time varsity bench warmer, and basketball is definitely my favorite sport. And if that didn't convince you, my Super Bowl yesterday was watching the Cougs opener against Texas Southern. Yeah, I'm that guy. But seriously, right now it's important to understand that football isn't a pivotal part of their season. And it really just wouldn't be fair to kind of cut off the student-athletes coverage the football players do deserve coverage. They're in a, as I just mentioned, a crucial part of their season. So let's give them the proper their shine. Let's give them the proper shine they deserve, and then we'll get to basketball later on in the year. And I really do love football. Let's just keep it on. I love football, but it isn't quite basketball. With that disclaimer out of the way, let's get straight to it. The CFP released their first standings of the season, and only two Pac-12 teams made the top 25. Oregon at number 15, and USC at number 18. I know a lot of Pac-12 fans are probably upset about this, and I've heard some complaining from fan bases and maybe some other media outlets. This is where I say, plain and simple, cut the bullshit. Yes, this is a Conference of Champions show, but I'd be doing everyone a disservice if I said any Pac-12 team is deserving of a higher ranking at this point of the year. I mean, really look at Oregon. In their first three contests, they've not put together a complete performance. They got off to a slow start against Stanford, played all right against WSU, and barely beat UCLA at home with the Bruins daunting a backup quarterback. That doesn't necessarily scream CFP potential. With or without all the opt-outs at the beginning of the year, the Ducks' defense was supposed to be elite, and so far they've proven not to be. They've allowed 32 points per game their last two matchups, 
which is indicative of a team with an average defense at best. I'm not saying this defense is average. They're good. They're definitely great, but not elite. Elite defenses don't give up 32 points per game. Granted, WCU and UCLA are looking like they have some good offenses, but elite defenses still do better. Hopping over to the offense side of the ball here, their receivers are also good, but again, you can't get them, you can't put them into that great tier. Devin Williams, Jalen Red, and Johnny Johnson don't really scare defensive backs. Yes, you respect them. Yes, they're good players, but there's no one in that unit who you just need to double. It's not like a requirement to beat them. Obviously, it's going to be hard to beat them regardless, but you get what I'm saying here. And by the looks of it, at this point of the year, their best receiver may actually be running back Travis Dye. No disrespect, he's actually been really phenomenal, but that's kind of telling about the organs about the Ducks receiving core. The biggest positive to take away from UO this year, and yes, there are some positives. Again, they are 3-0 and probably the best team in conference at this point of the year. But the biggest positive to take away from UO so far is the play of quarterback Tyler Shuck. It's only been three games, but he's starting to look like a future star quarterback. If you don't consider him that already, he proved himself that big throw on third down against the Cougs, helped seal the game, and then backed it up with another phenomenal performance against the Bruins. So he's really coming into his own. Again, small sample size, hasn't necessarily played elite defenses. Stanford's down this year. WCU and UCLA, never really elite defenses, but he's looking very solid, and Shuck is a huge bright spot going forward. Another big positive is the halfback combination of CJ Verdell and Travis Dye. They're likely the best two one-two punch in the conference. But bottom line for the Ducks, whether it's the program, whether it's the fans, whether it's the media, play better or shut up. You haven't looked the part of a top 10 team this year, let alone a CFP contender. I personally want to see the Ducks do good. They're our only chance at realistically getting to the CFP. And the talent is there. Hands down, the talent is there. This is a very talented team, but it's time to put it all together. The time has come. You're getting deep into the year already. And if you do not start performing better, then the Pac-12 will not be in the CFP. So that's analysis on the Ducks today. The next team we're going to discuss is going to be the USC Trojans, who ranked in at the number 18 spot. And honestly, I don't even know why I'm talking about them. With the exception of their week three performance against the Utes, this team has looked pedestrian all year. And really, their performance against Utah wasn't that impressive either. Like, really wasn't. Yeah, they won more comfortably than their first two outings. But really, they benefited from the fact that Utah committed three turnovers in the first half. Do not quote me on that. And five in total. But you guys can quote me on that one. But back, that was kind of funny little... Punny, 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 blah, blah, blah. Let's get back to the actual analysis here. The Trojans never blew the game open against the Utes. They struggled to punch the ball in the end zone, relying on three second-half field goals by Parker Lewis to extend their lead and ultimately put the game away. I believe the final score is 33-17. And while their defense did play better, they still haven't proven anything. I mean, this was the Utes' first game of the year with a new starting quarterback and plugging in a new halfback as well. We all knew that replacing Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss was going to be difficult and it showed in game number one. But we're not here to talk about Utah, so let's get back to the Trojans. I just don't like the look of this USC team. They're not going to make the college football playoff and don't really deserve to be considered a top team in the nation. 
Top 25, yes, the talent is obviously there, specifically in offense at the quarterback and wideout positions. But top 10, very far from it. Not even close. Looking at a quick synopsis of the team in its totality, the defense is average. They don't have the same explosiveness that they had at the wideout position last year. And their running backs aren't elite. Well, at least the ones who get the majority of the touches from what I've seen, it looks like Veve Malapai gets a lot of touches. And I'm kind of wondering why Keenan Christian doesn't get the ball more. With the loss of Michael Pittman Jr. last year, they really don't have that game breaker on their offense. I said in last week's show, I said in the previous week's show, you got Tyler Vaughns and Amon Ross St. Brown and Drake London. Yes, the best trio of receivers in the Pac-12, undoubtedly, undeniably. But they don't have that elite speedster. Well, actually, they do. And it's Keenan Christian. And for some reason, they're not giving him more touches. I don't know whether it's a fumbling problem. I don't know if he can't take big hits in the hole. I don't know exactly what it is. But if it was me and I was the coach of the Trojans, I'd find some way to get the ball in this kid's hands more. Whether it's end around, screens, tosses, anything, kick returns. He is lightning. you got to get him some touches. That's my two cents on the issue. But most concerning for the Trojans has actually been the play of quarterback Keaton Slovis. Dane Miller, our assistant editor at Sports Pack 12, wrote about this in a previous assignment, so I really want to make sure to give him credit. He's the one who pointed this out to me. But before we get to the negatives of Keaton Slovis, I do want to start with some positives because there are some positives, and what's fair is fair. He has led them to a 3-0 start, made key throws in crunch time specifically against the Arizona schools, and put up good statistics, excuse me, and put up good statistics. You guys got what I'm saying. He's put up good stats. But something just doesn't look or feel right. And if he doesn't start performing at a higher level, USC will likely get upset this year. Just he's making untimely interceptions, not just looking the part of that elite quarterback. And if we're talking good quarterback, yes, he's fulfilling the role. Again, undefeated, good stats, and made key throws to win games. But elite quarterbacks do not rely on onside kicks to win big games. And remember... Even though, if they're th- even though they're 3-0, if it wasn't for an onside kick against ASU, their entire season outlook would be entirely different. I would not be talking about them in this show. And really? Just doesn't sound like a college football playoff team to me. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, y- y'all want me to lie or something? They just don't look the part. The last squad we're going to talk about today is not in the CFP rankings, and that is going to be the Washington Huskies. Their performance against Arizona was arguably the most complete outing we've seen by any team in the conference thus far this year. And while they're only two games in, this team is already starting to adopt the identity of their head coach, Jimmy Lake. Even when they're up 37-0 against AZ, they were laying vicious hits on the Cats. And that's one thing that I really, really took away. And this is a statement going forward. At the college level, as good as athletes and as great of players as these kids are, they're not getting paid big money to take these hits. And when you're getting mallywhapped time and time and time again coming across the middle, you're probably not going to run a fast mesh route across the middle or a fast slant. You may slow down a step. The running back may slow down before contact. And it was 37-0, and UW was still hitting like this. A lot of these guys were probably backups. And that was the statement from Jimmy Lake and the Huskies that they're here. Are they on par with Oregon and USC? Well, forget USC. Are they on par with Oregon? I don't think it's fair to make that analysis yet. They're only 2-0. Oregon has a much bigger sample size with 3-0. and 
I know 3-0, 2-0 doesn't seem that big of a difference, but it is. You got the opener, you just find a way to win, regardless of the sport. Second game, kind of find yourself. Third game, we're starting to learn something here. So for the Huskies, they won their opener, and the second performance was dominant. We really find out who this team is next week, and now the newly scheduled game against Utah. So we'll find out Saturday night quickly. I would expect the Huskies to win that game. Again, Utah, as we touched on a little bit earlier, lost some players. But this is really where we find out more about them. But very notable to talk about the big hits up 37-0. This is a statement. This is a big statement. We've not seen this from Oregon. We've not seen this from USC. We've not seen this from any other team in the conference playing with this level of physicality. And this is a statement. And for all the Pac-12 players who talk about, or all the Pac-12 media and all those guys like, we want to be concerned the same part with the SEC or the Big Ten or whatever conference it may be, blah, blah, blah. This is how you do it. You play physical, hard-nosed football. You make teams fear you. Football is a physical game. Bring the noise. Bring the boom. Jimmy Lake and the dogs are starting to do that. However, though, however, this should have all been expected. You knew who Jimmy Lake was. You knew he was their previous defensive coordinator. So we're going to put that aside for now and focus on the offense, which is actually the biggest thing that the Huskies have going for them right now. And that's going to be their new quarterback, Dylan Morris. Time and time again in the first quarter, he made key throws on third downs, including the first quarter, third and 10 strike to Puko Nakua, which turned into a 65-yard touchdown pass. This put the dogs up 7-0, and they never looked back from there. These were the type of throws that UW's quarterback missed constantly last year. And it wasn't just the one uh, third and 10 strike to Puka Nakua. He had multiple long third down conversions in the first half. And this is what will put the Huskies on par with Oregon or USC. Again, these throws were missed time and time again last year. And when you're looking at Jimmy Lake, the new head coach, you're going to have the defensive brand of football. You're probably going to have a solid, hard-nosed physical running attack. So if you can just move the chains and convert a couple third tough third downs a game, you're going to be all right. And Dylan Morris did that. So this is a big, big sign and a big step in the right direction for the Huskies going forward. Cannot stress that enough. And some people may argue that they're the best team in the conference already. I don't know if I feel comfortable saying that as I just touched on two gains. Not really enough of a sample size here, but... Some people may consider them that. However, they've likely already been eliminated from the CFP contention, or from, excuse me, from CFP contention because their opener against Cal was canceled. I don't think losing that game gives them any chance of making the college football playoff. I'd eliminate them from that conversation already. Nevertheless, the future does look promising in Montlake. And at least for this season, as long as their form holds true, Oregon versus Washington is shaping up to be the game of the year in the Pac-12. Whether you're a Husky fan, whether you're a Duck fan, whoever you're cheering for, this is good for the conference. You have two top, top, top teams. Well, maybe not two in the Huskies yet. But with Oregon, you got a top 10 talent type team. Once they put it all together, they're going to be dominant. And for the Huskies, showing signs of greatness already. So to have two teams of this caliber playing off, maybe undefeated at the end of the year, this is very good for the conference. And again, whether... You're cheering for the Huskies, whether you're cheering for the Ducks. If you like the Pac-12, cheer for these guys to enter this matchup undefeated. USC ain't holding it down this year. This is what we need. And just for me, as someone who loves watching football, I want to see a game like this. I want to see a high-caliber Pac-12 matchup. 
and Oregon versus Washington, and if both teams can can continue holding it down, we're going to get that. So that's it, actually, for football coverage today, which leads us up to Bartlett's random topic of the day, ladies and gentlemen. And guess what, you crusty rabbits? <laughs> I have no idea if crusty rabbits is an insult. My bad. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know, man. Crusty rabbits. <laughs> okay. All right, let me... Let me catch my uh, breath here. It's Thanksgiving. I don't even know where the rabbit analogy came from. So for Bartlett's random topic of the day today, anyways, guys, I'm going to fit some basketball coverage in this segment. Hey, this is a random topic. I can throw whatever the heck I want here. I'm not going to do a deep dive or analyze the team or anything like that. What I'm here to do today is talk about my alma mater's basketball program in the Washington State Cougars. And as someone who loves basketball, I just respect the style of play they're they're really finding under Kyle Smith. For those of you who don't follow WSU basketball, I really don't know why you would if you're outside of Pullman. A lot of people in Pullman and ex-WSU alums don't care about the team. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you catch the drift. But since Kyle Smith has taken over, this team has adopted a physical, defensive identity and Obviously, in Pullman, you're not going to be able to recruit the talent you would at a USC, even at Utah, obviously at Arizona. So, this is what you need to do to win. And watching the home opener last night, they played against Texas Southern, I guess the opener of any game. But watching the opener last night, it was the same formula. The offense looked like absolute crap because they really don't have enough talent, at least not at this point of the season. But on defense, guys were in the right spot. They were contesting every shot. Multiple players were taking charges. The random skinny white boys were taking charges. You don't see that on every team. When I played high school basketball, when I was actually on the court for my two minutes a game, I was getting the hell out of the way of big boys coming at me to take a charge. But with Kyle Smith as head coach, he does not let that happen. If you want to play, you got to take charges. And this is how you win games. It's just beautiful to watch. And for anyone who likes basketball, I would just really, really, really tell you to tune in. I mean, it may not be the flashiest offense. You got a guy named Isaac Isaac Bonton who is a little flash, and I'll give him a little shine in a second here. But if you just love hard-nosed defense and kids giving it their all, this is, it's just cool to see. There's no other way to say it. And I'm very happy that this guy is representing my program It's very, very cool to see WSU basketball is seriously probably one of the least prestigious, least prestigious team of any major sport at any major conference with the exception of Clay Thompson and a guy like Craig Elo, CJ Ellaby recently drafted as well, actually drafted this year, second round of the Portland Trailblazers. But with the exception of those names, this program is so below the belt. It's an afterthought. It's not even on the radar. It's not on the blimp. And... Kyle Smith may be the guy to change that, and I'm just very, very happy to see that. Seriously, guys, if you like defense, tune in and watch the Cougs. One thing I do want to say, too, kind of on the fun, flashy side, don't worry, we're not not doing no deep dive analysis here, but one thing I do want to say is watch Isaac Bonton on the offensive side of the court. He's probably the funnest player to watch in the Pac-12 conference. To give you a little glimpse of his style, he started off the game, the first half yesterday, 1 for 13. 1 for 13. That's bad. I don't know what you think is worse. That's bad. But 
he finished with some obscure, a lot of points and just completely put it together in the second half. He's that guy who can miss every shot, throw three passes in the stands, hit the cheerleader, trip over himself, fumble the football even though he's not playing football, and then he'll bounce back in the second half and make every single shot. He'll like throw some crazy behind the back perfectly on the money, hit like three step back threes in guys' faces. He's the most hotter cold player I've seen in a long, long time. And while it may be frustrating to watch, I promise you it's entertaining. Even as the guy who was cheering for the Cougs last night, sometimes you can't just help but laugh because of some of his mistakes and then comes down and just hits some crazy bucket that has no business taking, but he swishes. So that's going to do it for my Bartlett's Random Topic of the Day. Very grateful for the basketball that Kyle Smith is creating on the Palouse. Concluding today's episode, Oregon really needs to step it up. The Jimmy Lake era is underway in Montlake, and USC is not a team worthy of a CFP berth. For people who like defensive hard-nosed basketball, turn on a Cougars game and you'll respect what Kyle Smith is building in Pullman. And as promised, and I actually want to end the show with this. Usually I don't do it like this. But seriously, as promised, I love lesser programs. I want to give them more shine. So if OSU or or UCLA specifically wins their respective matchups next week, I'll dedicate a big chunk of my show to them. But guys... To get on my show, regardless of how less prestigious your program is, you got to win games. I mean, I thought the Buffs were going to be booty when it came to football this year. And they started off 2-0, and I had to go get a specialist for last week's show to talk about the Buffs for 10 minutes. So seriously, if some of you lesser teams and less prestigious teams want to get on the show, win some games. I promise you, I will give you some airtime, specifically again, If OSU or UCLA wins next week, I will damn sure give them a lengthy segment. All right, guys, I'm off to go spend some time with the family. Hopefully everyone can get together with their fam and celebrate responsibly this weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm out. And as always, Cheetos and Tuna.